This episode of the Glossy Podcast is sponsored by Shopify Plus. From first sketch to retail floor, you need a commerce platform to help you scale at the speed of your ideas. That's why the world's fastest growing brands like Steve Madden, Chubby's, La Sport Sack, and Gymshark rely on Shopify Plus to sell to their customers around the world. You'll be able to go wherever your customers are, from New York to Milan to Instagram. And they'll make sure you look brilliant in every size from pop-up shop to mobile. Join over 5,000 brands on Shopify Plus at shopify.com slash glossy. Barneys doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes, and on today's episode, nearly newlywed founder and CEO Jackie Courtney discusses the disruption that's happening in the bridal industry, how her company is changing the customer experience, and building the Amazon of bridal. Hope you enjoy it. Jackie. Hello. Thanks for coming in. Thanks Always for great to see you. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Nearly Newlywood's business model? I know you guys just had some news and some expansion, but when you first started it, what was the idea? So when I started it in 2012, um, it was focused primarily on consignment and almost all pre-owned wedding dresses. So the the core of the business was about creating more sustainability and value mm-hmm. and price transparency in the business. So really, I actually started it out of my apartment with 50 used wedding dresses, Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's just really evolved from there. Mm -hmm. And so it's a digital platform, Um, it's a highly managed marketplace, and yeah, we just we just expanded outside of just wedding dresses, but that's where we started. So, so for the first what is seven years? Yeah, it we're going to be seven and yeah. the eleventh. Mm-hmm. So whenever that is, wedding dresses only. How did you even begin? You had fifty when you started. Where did the sourcing come from? How did you build that that initial foundation platform that that then led to the to the marketplace? So, um, kind of what inspired me was my own wedding, and I was working as a publicist before mm-hmm. I did that, and so I kind of saw. You know, we borrow dresses to people all the time. So I got engaged and was like, hey, why can't that be for me? I want to wear like 12 gowns and they're all super expensive. Uh, And I started to kind of ask around to editors. So that's sort of where it started. And then when I really decided, let's, you know, get some gowns in, I actually just reached out to women on eBay and other Craigslist, um, peer-to-peer marketplaces that had very high-end designer gowns and said, I have this idea. This is what I want to do. This is what I think is kind of missing in the space. Mm Uh, and so, honestly, it was just like a bunch of women around the country that just sent me their gowns on good faith. And mm-hmm. that's how we, we kicked it off. So they sell their gowns to you. So you, you're paying for the gowns and then reselling. It's consignment. Consign- so, yeah. yeah. So they send it. Um, and then when it sells, they receive a commission mm-hmm. on the sale. Got it. And so when... Like, take us back to 2012. What was the bridal market like? Like, were people... I mean, we know now that, you know, have all these online fashion brands that are selling wedding dresses online. But at the time, were people really shopping online? Is that more where they were starting the journey? And were they like, okay, I know used is probably like the the, the word you don't really want to say. No, no I'm, I mean, I'm fine with it. I'm like, gently love, right, used, right, I mean, right. whatever you want to call it. Right. Was that was that like in like the, even like a thought in, in, in brides' minds when they were starting to shop for their dresses? Um, I mean... In terms of the digital space, mm-hmm. bridal has kind of historically been behind a lot, most other industries. And so, and coming from a luxury fashion background, that was kind of one of the things I identified. I was like, luxury fashion is kind of lagging behind 
um, in the digital adoption of discovery and commerce online. And Bridal was kind of even further behind that. So when I started it, yeah, I mean, I told people I'm going to sell used wedding dresses on the internet. And they were like, that's crazy. Like, no (laughs) one's ever going to buy a dress online, new or used. No one wants to sell their dress. No one wants a used wedding Mm -hmm. dress. I mean, uh, you know, Instagram was kind of just just brand new. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. taking, I think, photos with Instagram at our first photo shoot, and it was just like to filter, you know, yeah. like, oh my gosh, there's filters. The big black border. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, this is, what is this? Um, I mean, yeah. Pinterest was for sure there, but um, some of the current e-com players now that you would think of that specialize in bridal, like Beholden, which is Anthropology's mm-hmm. arm, um, and, you know, Net-A-Porter, some of the luxury fashion brands that have small bridal verticals within their experience those were still fairly nascent um or just launching and mm-hmm. so it was a it was generally a very uh, very sparse space i guess online yeah and and i'm sure you also saw that at the same time people were looking for for alternatives you see you know the kind of the the more traditional bridal companies are struggling because now the internet has kind of opened up all these possibilities for not just pinterest inspiration and, and instagram inspiration but sellers to to get started and and so how did you kind of fit fit in and, and ride that wave when it was first you know kind of getting off the ground i mean um well the great thing about you know the internet is you just have this access to information that you didn't used to have mm-hmm. and so uh i think having been there and kind of carved out a trusted brand um and starting small with this very uh authentic kind of altruistic, I guess, ethos, mm-hmm. um, I think helped us kind of build from there and then really understand and be at the forefront um, as the industry kind of started to open up. Um, there are definitely things on the production side for bridal that are very different than a lot of other industries. Mm-hmm. And so I think that some designers and shops have uh, started to adopt more of like a ready-to-wear practice so that there is more access to wedding dresses and gowns that could be shipped you know, without a made-to-order process, uh, but a lot are still still made-to-order. So we've kind of been mm-hmm. navigating that and trying to fit those pieces together as the industry's evolved. Mm-hmm. Have you worked with the brands of, of the dresses that, that you sell, or have brands come to you and, and I don't know, just wanted to chat or hear what's what's going on on yeah, your end I mean, of the market? <laughs> yeah. Well, some have been definitely been more supportive than others. Mm-hmm. Um in, in the earliest of days when we were not doing anything with, with new merchandise and it was just pre-owned um, or used or samples, um, we worked with stores and some designers that had excess inventory. There's actually, uh, especially some of the larger stores and designers, there's a, there's a really large glut, actually, of mm-hmm. sample inventory that is in warehouses and places just kind of sitting there. Right. Um, so we did work on the like in a quieter way, I think, with them. Um and then as we started to expand into new, we worked with a few mostly international designers that didn't have much of a retail footprint here in mm-hmm. the U.S., mm-hmm. um, just because it was an access piece. And then now as we've started to get more and more into new merchandise and kind of fitting, you know, kind of having more of a full um, discovery and e-commerce experience, um, we're working with more and more stores and designers. Yeah. So when it, when you were working with, you know, just the just the dresses before you got into new new merchandise and expanded the platform, like where have you watched the the bridal um, 
you know, industry evolved to now? Like what's what's different now as opposed to when you first started? How are people shopping? Like can you like just go into the minds of like brides today, like when they start their journey and how they start that shopping process and, and how you make sure you're you're getting the word out there and making sure they know this is even an option. Just that awareness piece. Well I think if you really go back, um, because it's such a brick and mortar based business, mm-hmm. um, more than so many other industries. Um, but like a lot, other, a lot of other industries, someone would get engaged. They would go to their local um, bridal store. Uh, that's where they would first discover the products and kind of try to understand what their style is. And that's where they would be presented with those options. Now, you know, whether you can buy things online or not, the Internet has made it so that you can kind of have a full, a pretty full discovery um, process before mm-hmm. you even see a physical garment. Right. And I think that's really changed, I mean, a lot about the industry. Um, I think it's also opened a lot of doors for smaller, more niche designers to get in, to kind of crack into the market. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, sort of these gatekeepers, these physical stores have um, a diminishing amount of power over what products they're showing to to women, to brides. And then I think um, it kind of emboldens and also gives a lot more power to the shopper. Kind of they go in knowing, you know, this is kind of what I want. This is, I know that this shouldn't cost this. There's just mm-hmm. more and more awareness because historically there wasn't a lot. Of, of information in right. general. And still there's not a ton. I right. mean, that's one of the things we work on, on the discovery piece. And as we're building out the platform for some of those other tools as well, mm-hmm. um, just having there be more transparency around this is actually how much this designer costs right. if you want to buy it. Right. And I, transparency is is pervasive in in fashion and in retail in general right now I, I think that's what customers are looking for because they they have more power than they used to so how, how did you position nearly newly what is like you know this you can shop and, and understand what things should cost or know that you can get this style for for less how did you kind of play up that that transparency side of it um, well, one of it was just, again, like in the beginning, it's like you can't really buy many wedding dresses online. And mm-hmm. so and it's it's very similar in fine jewelry. Um, it's also like when you're looking even at like physical magazines and if you wanted to like rewind back then, like most of a lot of the time, not most of the time, a lot of the time it would just be like dollar signs, you mm-hmm. know, like this fear wing dress is four dollar signs. Right. And it's like, well, no how much is price, it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like uh, I remember even shopping for my own dress, just being intimidated going into Vera Wang. Like, I know they're expensive, mm-hmm. but I know that they like vary. Um, and like, I have no idea. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, that's because it's $10,000. Surprise. Right. <laughs> um, so a big part was just like they're online. They ship to you within a couple weeks. Uh, this is how much it costs mm-hmm. at full price. This is how much it costs discounted. But even just the transparency of saying this this gown costs this much money mm-hmm. was semi uh, disruptive. I right. guess in the space. it doesn't take a lot of transparency. Right. It doesn't take. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of always been part of it. And then as we've and as we are in some of the things that we have on the roadmap around you know lookbooks and things like that. It's mm-hmm. just again just very simple things around. This is how much this costs. This is how much it takes this to be produced. Uh, this is where you go to buy it. Things that are, you know, not that revolutionary in maybe other spaces are still uh, still have space to develop and bridal. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sure. And it, how do you gain traction? It's such a unique market for something like you know marketing and, and just customer awareness because. You know, ideally, you get married once, you shop for a dress once, and then never again. But there's going to be a revolving door of potential customers. How do you target like that that person in that exact frame of mind, that time period when it actually applies to them? Because I'm sure you have to, you know, work it work it in 
earlier. Like, right, right. You I want feel like there's to... lots of, lot of tools and, and tricks, like on the on the back end of marketing in bridal. Um, I mean, I think uh, like some of the basic ones are just like you know a slower build in terms of because a lot of it's a lot of it is word of mouth. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of get you get engaged. You ask friends that you know that have been engaged, and that's kind of how a lot of it happens. Uh-huh. Um, there's definitely a lot of tools now with. Uh, you know, the targeting aspects that you can do on social media and with social ads. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, for us, again, like it was early days and we were doing something that was hyper niche in a very niche industry. And like I said, people were like, what are you, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. But that at least, you know, allowed us to really carve out kind of this corner. Uh, I also went on Shark Tank like very, very early. Yes. So that helped we have to talk a little about Shark bit. Tank. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> did, it, did, did it help mm. afterwards? Yeah, I mean... When, when I was like, I sh- they're gonna, they definitely want to have me on the show uh, to make fun of me because it was like I had used wedding dresses in my apartment and there was nothing proprietary about my business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not just like infinitely scalable. It's not like you show it on a television show and then everyone buys that wedding dress from you and right. like the end. It's, that's not works. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not like I just showed it and now, you know, I can produce this super fast and Jamba Juice bought me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it was really good. We were very, very early days. So I we taped it. Uh, like within two months of having launched the business, you know, we'd sold like maybe two dresses. I don't even know. Like we had 50, so we didn't sell many. Right. Uh, and then it aired like four months after that. And so you, it's just that level of awareness mm-hmm. really helps push you forward. And I think because it was uh, disruptive and also a little contentious in terms of what, you know, women say they want versus what they, they really want. And based on some of the feedback, we did get kind of like a like thousands of emails from women being like, no, this makes sense. And like people don't understand how much this, you know, weddings cost. Yeah. And so there was a lot Kevin of... Kevin doesn't understand. No, no, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were like, uh, or they were just like, you know, that even just the age bracket, not even just from a gender perspective. And so mm-hmm. that helped um, people just sharing it because they were like, this should exist. It's great right. you're doing this. Right. Um, so that, that was kind of like a, a jumping off point. Yeah, for sure. We'll be right back. The success of your business should never be limited by the commerce platform you run on. That's where Shopify Plus comes in. Whether you're kicking off an exclusive flash sale or epic product drop, you'll be able to process thousands of transactions a minute without worrying about broken carts or crashed checkouts. Shopify Plus is tailored for fashion speed, experience, and personalization. Learn more about Shopify Plus at shopify.com slash glossy. Hey, Glossy listeners, Danny Parisi here, and I am back to talk to you about episode four of a special series I've been working on called Glossy Trend Watch Streetwear Edition. For this episode, we are joined by Fila's VP of Heritage and Trend, Louis Cologne, as he discusses the long, diverse history of the Heritage brand and how its popularity on the tennis courts led to its popularity on the streets. You can catch every episode of Glossy Trend Watch right here in the Glossy podcast feed. To stay up to date with the latest podcast from Glossy, be sure to subscribe and leave us any feedback you have. Now, back to the episode. It's so, how is like the industries around, um, you know, used and consignment online, like with the real real, how has that helped not legitimize, but normalize what you're doing even for, for wedding? Because, you know, if you think that works for everyday clothing, you had have to think it works for something that you wear once. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've always been into kind of pre-owned and stuff. I remember like mm-hmm. buying a pair of Manola Blahniks on eBay in high school. I mean, they were trashed, but I was like, <laughs> they're amazing. Um, yeah, the real, real um, tradesy. A lot of these vestiaire, mm-hmm. these platforms. I think they don't play much in bridal again because it's 
you know, very specific and it's very niche and the customer acquisition is high and so is the service level. Yeah. Uh, but it really does, I think, help legitimize and just, you know, destigmatize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, if you do, you know, resell stuff or shop like that in other categories. Um, and the same thing for us is true for, for full price e-commerce. You know, um, it, when people ask who our competition is. I'm kind of like, well, you know, some of these companies are competitive, Beholden, Porte, mm-hmm. the real, real. I mean, maybe not because, like I said, they don't really do much with wedding dresses. But uh, it is still such a developing area in right. such a underdeveloped, digitally under underdeveloped business industry. Industry, mm-hmm. um, and so really, those things all kind of help. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it just cause support it, like the changing consumer behavior because right. the biggest issue I think in the industry is that uh, the customer changed a while ago you know mm-hmm. it's not like and I talk about women because we primarily sell to women we're, you know we're focused on that that customer mm-hmm. for the most part but um, men and women that were getting married they as they changed their uh, discovery and purchase habits whether that's Airbnb and Uber and all these other things around kind of the rent sharing, the rent the runway, right. the sharing economy and, and re-commerce and stuff. The consumer wasn't like, oh, I want to do these things in all these other industries that make my life easier and less expensive and, but like not for my wedding. Mm-hmm. It just didn't exist. And because the consumer kind of comes through the pipeline and then is finished, right? I think is one of the biggest reasons the industry hasn't had to adapt as fast because mm-hmm. You, know, you talk to a woman, she's going through the process, and she's like, it's frustrating, and I don't know what they cost. And then they're telling me it's going to take eight months to make my dress, but it's kind of like, you know, I just did it, and now I'm done, and, like, I don't have to do it again. Whereas in other industries, you know, when you're talking about, off, like, clothes for work mm-hmm. or parties and stuff, um, there's more of a pushback on the customer because they're continuing to participate in that process. Right. They, they're, that's going to be a long haul for them. Whereas, like you said, you, you're willing to put up with almost maybe a worse, not worse experience. Yeah. I mean, but, really, yeah, like there's just less, you know, there's kind of a pushback or there mm-hmm. has been, mm-hmm. um, but there just isn't as much consumer friction because the consumer, you know, feels that, but then ultimately kind of puts up with it in a way that I don't think they do right. in other industries. Right, because it's... The, the end is in sight. Then they're it's like, done. you know, it's just that's the way weddings are. Right. It's like it doesn't have to be that. Right. <laughs> and especially when you think about how much experience and this idea of like, you know, the customer is in charge and they want this, you know, high, high touch, high level experience in retail in general. Um, you know, the standards for a store experience have, have gotten a lot higher for any brand that's opening stores now. But there's like that almost traditional like okay, this is, like you said, this is how wedding should be. And so whenever you think about the experience, how do you think of where, what, what is this like, okay, this is how it, it could be if we were to actually think of, rethink this experience? Well, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, I think that physical retail definitely still has a very important place in the industry. I think mm-hmm. that... Um, oh. Have you done offline retail? We've done a little bit. Um, uh, w- the way we kind of look at it is we're looking at supporting some of the existing um, physical retailers mm-hmm. and helping them kind of reach the customer online for someone that, you know, ultimately does want to go offline. Like which ones? Um, well, we're talking, so like what's on the roadmap, oh, yeah. like I said, when, yeah, um, are kind of a, as a showroom product, which is uh-huh. again kind of going to be, so from a consumer's, but like, from a customer standpoint, you can be not just browsing and discovering products on Pinterest where then, you know, you find out you have no idea where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be finding them on Nearly Newlywed mm-hmm. and then 
Um, you know, some products you just can't buy online or they do have to be made to order and they're going to take a bit and you have to go to an atelier. And mm-hmm. so for that experience, we want to help those stores that do it really well already um, reach the customer online and communicate their services and support them in that way because we kind of have the digital piece really figured out. Right. Almost like a facilitator. Right. And then, you know, and again, like, because I don't, I don't think that physical retail, I mean, in general, what you see is like all these, you know, direct to consumer brands and stuff too, doing more and more with physical retail. I don't think for, for bridal, for sure it's going anywhere. I think it's again about helping a lot of those um, retailers that do the physical experience really, really well, reach their customer online and then sort of smooth out some of those pain points around price transparency, production cycles, timing, and then ultimately also creating kind of a loop because we find that so many women are interested actually in passing their dress along, Mm -hmm. whether it's just uh, because they don't want to feel wasteful um, or, you know, obviously from like a compensation standpoint. Um, And so we want to kind of help fit those pieces together, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I, I, yeah, because you could see how it could become so like, you know, every bride has this idea in mind. I'll get to my friends, I'll get my mom, we'll have a little bit of champagne. Like you can almost get a pass just by providing that like expectation rather than than exceeding it if you are if you are in the bridal space. Um, so let's let's talk about that that loop because I feel like the the bridal industry has its own like unique ecosystem that you can really shoot it out it's it's a whole it's a whole thing you have your now your your bachelorette uh attire and all of you know bridesmaids is that where like the marketplace came from yeah i mean some of it is we just have um so we have a lot of women shopping on the platform now Mm -hmm. um we'll have over a million this year is our one of our things that we're very excited about um Mm -hmm. so they were just asking for other products like how do we you know we we're here we're shopping we trust Mm -hmm. you um and there's, it's it's hard to find things on either some of these other crowded marketplaces, mm-hmm. you know, like Amazon or Etsy. Um, and also just the product mix isn't, again, super developed and savvy. Yeah. Um, and so those were the things that really informed why we did it. I think the larger trend is, again, um, one of the great things about a wedding is all of the things that precede it and also happen after it. All these sort of mini celebrations and connections with your friends and your family. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, products and experiences that support that, whether it's a shower or a bachelorette or, um, you know, just something that's like cute and fun for you and your fiance, Mm -hmm. Um, all of those things and kind of, you know, for sure, like having products to kind of facilitate um, those experiences on the journey. Mm -hmm. So so why not, you know, go into your own production? Like, how did you come to this decision? Like, let's let's gather some sellers and, and brands and curate it to an extent and then kind of open up the doors for them online with our audience? Um, I think it's that, uh, like I said, in in the bridal space, um, there's not a lot of e-commerce and there's not a ton of digital development. And mm-hmm. so you have people that make really amazing products already that either have a very small audience that they're not really reaching yet, you know, that could really build their businesses in a much larger way or um, are semi-stunted because they are in these really, really mass marketplaces. And then on the flip side, I think that outside of what is quote-unquote bridal, you have a lot of products that um, are amazing and are are potentially bought by people in the wedding experience, but they're not well-marketed to that because 
to what we were talking about earlier. It's hard to reach that person at that right time. It's expensive. The messaging is way different. And so, especially when you're talking about someone that's kind of like a cool fashion designer or an artist or something, you know, making sure that they localize their product and put it in front of a bride is kind of one of the last things that they are worried about. Mm -hmm. And so I think that... uh, there are actually a ton of products from designers that don't play much in bridal or bridal designers that don't reach many brides. And so I think the best way for us to innovate and service everyone was to kind of bring that together in sort of a new sort of experience. Mm-hmm. So how did you find the the initial like set of, of brands and sellers that you wanted to work with? It was a mixture. Some um, we actually would get and still, I mean, obviously now we do since we opened the doors, I guess, but we we get frequently um, inquiries to sell with mm-hmm. us or I know even in, uh, years ago, we know you sell used wedding dresses, but like, can we, you know, we love what you're doing and what it stands for. Can we sell our, our veils or our earrings? Mm-hmm. We were like, soon, <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Um, so some, a few of them were, were designers like that. Um, on the artist front, um, for the designer collaborations, actually, they were just artists that we found on, on Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, that we were like, this is really cool. Would you want to make some like fun bridal products? Uh, in the, the, the three that we launched with on the designer collaboration side actually are young women also. And they're like, yes, actually I have friends that were like, I'm looking for some products that aren't just the same old. Um, so that felt natural. Um, and then a few were just, um, fine jewelers and stuff that we thought were, were really cool. Mm-hmm. So, so now, what's the what's the product mix? If you're if you're someone coming into nearly newlywed, what what all can you shop? So you can shop for new and pre-owned engagement rings, wedding mm-hmm. bands, fine jewelry, um, accessories to accessorize your look. So high-end costume jewelry, which you know, hairpins, accessories, earrings, um, and then on sort of the funner gifting side, totes and t-shirts and visors and swimsuits, mm-hmm. mugs, um, and, and a bunch of other things that are coming soon. Right. And this is a little bit more alternative, not the, you know, the one we can all picture with the, the curse of fawn and like the bride. <laughs> right, yeah. Not just like the curse of bride. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure, some of, I mean, like a lot of them actually do say bride or squad. Right. Um, some of them are a little bit more uh, interesting in, in the verbiage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they're they're meant to be a little bit more contemporary in design. So some of them are like punny designs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the designers have a nice day, Steffi Lynn. Actually, she just did, I think, a big thing with Aerie here, a big mural with them. Oh, nice. She does a lot of really cool um, script stuff. So she kind of reimagined it. So there's some of them are sweet still and cute, mm-hmm. but they're, I think they feel a lot more modern. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think with the marketplace model, there's this idea that you know, there's really no no limit. How do you, what are you, how big do you think this could, could be? And, and what are your kind of like far off, you know, five-year goals? Mm. Just lay them all out right well, here. I right mean, oh. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, I mean, well, to take over the bridal industry, of obviously. course. Um, uh, to be the Amazon of weddings. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I think we want to make sure that we're keeping it curated and uh-huh. providing value to the designers and the stores that we're working with. Um, so right now we're onboarding another 10 to 20 in the mm-hmm. next month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will be focusing on, I think, some other product category extensions like decor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, sort of a longer term project on the roadmap is the showroom kind of lookbook right, piece right. that is much more focused on custom apparel, um, really much more towards like a, a custom made wedding gown or engagement ring, high value items, um, and kind of plugging in the pieces around what what dresses are available, where you can buy them, and these are this is kind of the store locator mm-hmm. aspect, right? Uh, and 
but there, like you said, there, there's so there's a lot of a lot of ways that this could grow. But do they have? Do the sellers have to be invited to the platform right now? Like, do you ever see it being like just get up and and start selling? Or I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think that. Uh, on the consumer side, the promise that we vet everyone and consider the quality and the authenticity, you know, that they fit sort of a, in a brand fit and uh, is important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, uh, meant to be snobby or anything like that. Uh, so right now it's just but you can apply or be invited. And mm-hmm. so we've gotten a lot of requests. We just want to make sure that we roll it out um, not, not not too quickly. And mm-hmm. I think that there will always be an approval process. Um specifically around quality control over the products more than anything else right and do you since it started out with this like price transparency as well is there a specific price point that that you want to keep targeting for that that customer that you've built over time not really i mean Mm -hmm. even on the dress front um i mean even on the pre-owned dress front it really really varies we sell some pre-owned dresses now we started much more really focused on very very high-end gowns in the beginning um just because that had the biggest need um for some of the things that we offer around authenticity and returns and mm. payment processing and security. Um, but we sell now, I mean, in the last six months, we've sold dresses that resell for $300 and we sold um, a $30,000 dress for $17,000 in November. So it really, it really kind of varies. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's reflective of the actual bridal industry. Right. There's a lot more options now today. So how do you, you know, we're almost out of time, but, but in terms of how you look at where, retail is headed in general do you see is bridal starting to catch up like that that customer experience piece that we talked about that you know it's kind of existed in this very specific bridal vacuum where do you is your like goal to open that up and and then push change through how do you how do you see bridal catching up to where retail is going in general which is more you know i think it's smarter it's more customer focused it's had to kind of up its own standards yeah i mean i think that um I mean, we've always been, the pre-owned piece was also about that, really supporting quality designers and fabrics and, um, you know, in creating sort of this loop, making it more uh, more accessible, I guess, for more people to wear something more expensive and nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, on the, just on the digital front and like, you know, direct to consumer and stuff, there's some very interesting things happening. Um, there's a company Flora there that's 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 amazing and Anomaly that's doing custom things. So I think that really digital forward companies are helping push a lot of innovation in in sort of the production um, design space. And then mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think that uh, some companies are going to struggle and continue to struggle if they can't adapt both in the product and in how they choose to speak to the customer. Because I think that that's um, you know. The customer is really savvy and understands what they want and uh, expects expects that. So I think mm-hmm. that there's going to continue to be. I mean, there have been over the last year and a half um, some big shutterings and bankruptcies. Right. Um, and I think that probably there's going to be more. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you will see some of the you know some companies that are adapting really well um, do do well. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything's gonna anything's going to like the bridal industry's going anywhere. I just right. think that. Um, it's kind of, I like to say I'm like, bridal's going to be the new beauty in like a couple mm-hmm. years because, um, you know, it's been really kind of helmed by these like big companies for a mm-hmm. long time and that's sort of being pushed. Right. Busted away. open. Busted <laughs> open. <laughs> 
Well, super interesting. Excited to see where it goes. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed the episode. A special thanks to Gianna Capadona, the producer of this podcast. As a thank you for listening, we're passing along a limited time introductory offer on a three-month subscription to Glossy Plus. Glossy Plus members access unlimited stories, exclusive research, and more. Join today for just $49. That's $80 off by entering the code intro at checkout at glossy.co slash subscribe. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Anchor FM and leave us any feedback you have.